welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. Our guest today is Stephanie Pierce, and Stephanie was our Young Professional of the Year who was named at our annual meeting in February. So we're glad to have Stephanie with us today. Thanks, Stephanie, for being here. Thanks, Jason. appreciate it. So in addition to that, you're also the chair of Hype, and you've been on the program before talking about Hype. And uh, so you're a bit of a repeat uh, guest, but uh, one yeah. that we're glad to have. And and so so some of this will be repetitive, but just for the people who didn't get a chance to listen uh, last season, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you ended up in Manhattan? Yeah, sure. And all since I have been on before and people usually hear the, hey, I came to K-State and stayed in Manhattan because I loved it. I'm going to go a little bit further back as to why K-State and why Manhattan. So I grew up in little western Kansas, and my dad had gone to K-State and was a big fan. So we started coming up to Manhattan to football games. Pretty sure it was the 92-93 season because I specifically remember Chad May was the quarterback and fell in love with K-State football. So we were up here every year. I had family that lived up here. Manhattan was really a second home to us. So it just felt natural to be in Manhattan for me. It wasn't like we were visiting someplace or going someplace new. Campus was familiar. It was just home before it was my actual home. Um, What a lot of people don't know, though, is that I did not originally come to K-State. I actually went to a small university in Kansas City for a semester, realized that's not where I belonged, and came back to to Manhattan and went to K-State starting in January of 2004. Um, And of course, you know, it was home already and didn't want to leave, wanted to stay here. So you said you're from a small town out west. What town is that? Uh, Little Larned, Kansas. We're known for a state hospital and a state prison. We're also on, uh, it's Fort Larned. So we have uh, some historical um, sites there in Fort Larned as well. So for those of us who are not Kansas natives, mm-hmm. uh, tell me what. Tell me where that would be close to. So that would be straight uh, down from Hayes, about okay. an hour. Okay. Because oh, in Kansas, know, we use hours instead of miles. I, I've been I've been <laughs> in that area. Well, being from Oklahoma, I can appreciate that. So, so let's find out how small a town. Because usually, I can I can give people a run for their money in terms of small high schools. So, your graduating class was how many? Uh, it was around eighty-two. Oh, I believe. Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie. Oh, come on! You went to the big city. My <laughs> my uh, high school graduating class was twenty-one. Oh man! Yeah. So. Um, we had plenty of small communities around us that were in those 20s. Yeah, so. so we would look at you as the big town uh-huh. uh, where, I, where I grew up. Hey, we so. had a Dylan's, so that was something. <laughs> that <a> grocery stores <laughs> is something. So you came to K-State, and what, what made you decide to stay here? So I uh, ended up working at Anderson Knight Architects for Tracy Anderson and Dan Knight uh, my last semester at K-State. Um, I had originally a plan to go to law school. After I graduated, I had taken the LSATs, gotten into a couple different universities, and was going to head out that way, and ended up meeting who is now my husband, Houston, and decided, hey, I'm going to take a year off, see where things go. 
Um, and everything transpired from there. Tracy and Dan were very much into getting me involved into the community, into back then what was the young professionals group that was run out of the chamber and also going to chamber events, um, finding ways to volunteer time, be a part of Flint Hills leadership, leadership Manhattan, anything to get me integrated. And once you get integrated, it's really hard to leave. Uh, you have that sense of community, you have that sense of pride, and it's it's not easy to just step away from that. So, well, I dabbled in entrepreneurship first. Oh, that's right. You did. Yeah. You've told me so that I had um, a wedding planning business for a while. Um, we started Purple Swirl Frozen Yogurt, and then uh, I worked for the vice president for research on campus, and that's how I met what was K-State Institute for Commercialization, Kent Glasscock and Rebecca Robinson, and then rest is history. And you've been there. Here I am. <laughs> Did you know before the, the uh, annual meeting that you had won the Young Professional of the Year? I mean, technically, I wasn't supposed to know, yeah. but my husband kept hinting at, you need to make sure you look really nice. and Like you don't always well, look nice? What, I, what's exactly, the story with that? Exactly. When he emphasizes it, I know something's up. So I had a suspicion, but I did not know. When you found out officially, how did you feel? Very honored, of course. Um, you know, we had just gone through the announcement of all the 15 under 40, which are a ton of just amazing young professionals that have done so many things in the community, very involved, served as leaders throughout Manhattan and the surrounding communities in Wamigo, Junction City. So I was definitely honored to be um, named as a, the Young Professional of the Year uh, for Manhattan. I was of course, very thankful at the same time because there were so many doors that have been open to me over the past few years through um, either work or relationships that I've built um, that it's just you can see that that pathway led me to somewhere. And so it was great to be able to look back and reflect on that and, and see where everything kind of fell in place, even though at the time it may not have felt like it was going that way. <laughs> so I, I was, first of all, I was really impressed as I when listened to your speech as I thought, well, if she doesn't know, this is a heck of an extemporaneous speech. So clearly you, you had a little bit in your in your mind, I maybe what you were going to say. I may have had a few points rolling yeah, yeah. through my yeah. mind. Yeah. Another wrong thing. So I, I was talking to Matt Crocker, who uh, was the uh, C. Clyde Jones Volunteer of the Year. And he, a uh, little, little like yours, he said, at some point when the fifth person asked you if you're going to be at the event, kind of figure it out. So I thought, uh, Matt had a, had a few moments to figure his out. And then, of course, Mary Veneer, who was the uh, Lud Fisher Citizen of the Year, uh, basically Summer had to tell her because she had other plans. And so she had to make sure that she was going to attend. And she she uh, she was the highlight, I think, of the speeches. She, yes. she had everybody yes. laughing through that process. So, um, But you all did a great job and certainly uh, were worthy recipients. Um, Thank you. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, hype group because you have chaired it um, sure. for the last. This you're in your second year of chairing hype. We last year was the first year that we started selling memberships, and one of the things that I have bragged about numerous times is we had a goal of 200 and got actually I think exceeded 250 by the time the year was over. So, what do you think uh, was the reason that that became or that we were able to achieve that uh, in really just the first year of of undertaking? a paid membership program? First, I think we have a great group of volunteers that are helping lead the organization, plan the events, um, 
work on the different initiatives. So I give a lot of credit to them because they're really the champions out in the community, making sure that folks are aware of hype, what we do, inviting them to events, getting them involved, um, and and really helping shape what that looks like and making sure that, you know, it's $50 for the full year. How do we add value to our hype members at our events, but also beyond our events? So I'm hoping that we will continue this momentum keep growing and um, retain all of our membership, but, but build it bigger um, through the events that we're doing now and some new events that are coming up this year. Are you seeing more people attending events or is there more, there seem to be more interest? I know you kind of formalized the event schedule. That was one of the things you did when you became chair, which made it easier for people to plan. So are you seeing more people attending uh, events? Yeah, I think having that full calendar allows people to plan out what they want to attend, what the, what are their must-attends, what they're able to fit in their schedules. For example, lattes with leadership, we've got our speakers planned out. So it's a lot easier to, to make sure, oh, I really want to listen to that speaker and they're two months down the road. Let me just get it on my calendar. So I think that helps our membership and also in recruiting and saying, hey, just come to the next one and we'll introduce you to people. It's it's always this time of the month and and we appreciate you coming and and getting to know everyone. I know you addressed this a little bit when you're on with us before, but why why is hype important to this community? Hype is I think crucial to this community because there is, you know, the university, there's a large student population, there's Fort Riley, and in order for Manhattan to retrain and attract young talent that will will stay here, that will grow here and advance here, um, having that platform where they can really plug into the community. Uh, we've been talking lately in the more strategic look at Hype as how Hype can serve as a hub of where um, young professionals can connect into Hype, but then are pushed out into the other networks that exist within the in, within Manhattan and the surrounding communities. So how can we make sure that we're, we're that visible piece that young professionals stop at, but that we're also pushing them into our young professionals into other areas that they can be involved in volunteering or, or wherever their passions lie? You're an individual kind of like those of us that work for the chamber where you get a lot of blurred lines between this is my job this is what I volunteer for. Uh, you know, so how do you differentiate that where you say, okay, I'm doing this because it's work versus some things that maybe you have a passion for that you, that you want to volunteer and be part of it? And are you able to do things that you can just basically say, this doesn't have anything to do with work. This is, this is what I do in I think other I'm kind of lucky as where I don't see my job as work. I, it fits very much in line in what I'm passionate about. If you would have asked me when I was in school, would I go into economic development? I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. What is that? Um, but I think that those that I've been able to surround myself with and been able to learn about, it just aligns with everything that I've always done throughout my life. So those lines are blurred, of course, which it's hard to differentiate what's hype versus work and where does that bleed together and where are there other opportunities. But I think that I've kind of been lucky enough that those have all fallen under the same things that I'm passionate about and want to spend my time on. And spending time on other things, you know, I've got a little kid at home <laughs> that's four years old. So he pretty much takes up any spare time that I have. <laughs> so you're actually one of those people who are fortunate enough to love their job then, right? Exactly. 
So talk a little bit about what you do uh, at your job, because I know we work together a lot, but you have a wide variety of things that you focus on. You talked a little bit about economic development. So what is a what is a day at uh, KSUIP entail for Stephanie? A lot of it is, uh, I, it varies. Every day is very different. I'm sure you know that. Um, but it can go anywhere from talking with a company that work, wants to work with K-State for research, um, leveraging those assets for economic development. How can we attract them to co-locate in the community um, in order to advance relationships, access to talent pipeline? Um, but it also looks at, you know, how do we how do we fill that pipeline of economic opportunities that are out there through being in touch with our faculty members? Who are they working with? Who are they engaging? Um, or on the entrepreneurship side. How do we create uh, pathways for entrepreneurs that might exist in the university or want to connect to the university? So a lot of it's very anywhere from strategic thinking of how do we connect all the dots? How do we make sure that we have a concise message, that there's a pathway, that there's things that are accessible to those that need them at K-State or in the community and and pull that together to very pointed, okay, we've got this company that wants to do this research. Let's make it happen. Let's let's facilitate that conversation and um, run through the processes to, to make that engagement happen. And one of the things that you touched briefly on was entrepreneurship. And of course, your office and our office and the city and then some private sector folks came together a couple of years ago and created Spark MHK. And I know you and Darren have spent, Darren Solden on our staff has spent a lot of time supporting that organization. And uh, we have been discussing a lot this year, entrepreneurship and its importance in the community. And uh, to the point that sometimes I think maybe people are tired of hearing it, but we're just going to keep talking about it because right. it's that important. But uh, so talk a little bit about that. Why is entrepreneurship so important to a community, particularly one like Manhattan? I think we saw through the pandemic that you can't just depend on a big business like the university or anything to really keep the economic um, prosperity of the community going. You need to have that diversity. You need to have small businesses that are supported that can grow. How can we grow our own and attract other businesses to the community? Um, I always think about, you know, as we do this attraction, if you have Scorpius Biomanufacturing coming in, that opens all of these opportunities of needs for these employees that are coming in that are going to want to go re eat at restaurants, um, get their hair done. They're going to need services. And, and that is just one way that our that we can grow the community is by, by filling that through entrepreneurship. Um, there's so many opportunities that come out of the university as well as we see students that graduate that might be wanting to start a business or have started it at K-State. How do we attract them and keep them here? Well, it's by having someplace for them to land, um, having them connected into the community. And same with faculty start startups, if there's a technology, um, you'd you want to see it in its best place to get out and to be commercialized, but that doesn't mean that it has to go to a coast. Um, we can create those resources here to be able to keep them here and to build and grow those businesses within our own community. Absolutely. And if you look around at some of our most impactful employers um, outside of the public sector, right, because of, of K-State and Fort Riley are 
such huge uh, players in this community. But so if you look at some of the larger employers outside of the, of the public sector, and many times it's either entrepreneurial ventures or it's companies that started as entrepreneurial ventures. And I'm not sure, you know, there's, there's a period of time, about a decade where I'm not sure that we did all that we could do. And I think now we're uh, maybe paying a little bit of cost for that as we've kind of seen stagnant job growth and stagnant population growth. And so I really see this as a way going forward that we can impact our community uh, in a positive way in terms of growing um, and, and providing more economic opportunities for residents of, of all uh, ranges. And so uh, I appreciate you and Darren and others leading that effort. Um, we think it's really important and and hopefully people who are listening uh, will take this opportunity to uh, look into Spark MHK and and get involved and, and be part of that. So you talked a little bit about why you ended up staying here. Uh, why does why is Manhattan a special place to live and work? There's so much that Manhattan has to offer that you can find and dig into. I've always thought, you know, any place that you go, look for what fits your your passion, what you what you want to do. Um I I have a young little one at home that's four years old. I never looked at what kids can do in the community. I was always looking for entertainment. That was for more my lifestyle, you know, going out to eat at fun places, different events that were going on. Never looked into what was available for kids. So that was a whole new world for me to to look into um, going to the Flint Hills Discovery Center, MHK Play, or we're finding those different little niches. So I think as as folks stay in Manhattan, you just you have to search out what you like, um, what you want to explore, and I bet there's something there that fits those needs. I think that Manhattan's a pretty, even though we're a smaller sized community, there's there's a lot of options, um, a lot of art, music that's out there. It's just searching for what you want to do and where you want to involve yourself at. And then, of course, I mean, I can't help but plug Hype again there, but <laughs> Hype's one of those places that you can get connected into those different communities and, and things that exist in Manhattan. So you hit on this a little bit, but we always ask, we've asked our 15 under 40 uh, winners who've been in here, and we're going to ask you as another young professional, but so what advice would you have for young professionals other than what you just talked about, how they can get their careers fast-tracked? I'd say open the doors that are put in front of you. Um, there's many times that I've I've had a relationship and met someone in passing, and five years later, you just happen to cross paths, and some opportunity pops up to where you've been vaulted into something new. So, I, you know, take some risks. Um, I know that's hard to do, but you know, open those doors, walk through them, explore, take advantage of being a young professional and, and being able to, to get out there and learn new things and meet new people. Yeah, it's a whole lot easier to try something and fail when you're under 35 than it is when you're over 35, for sure. A lot more responsibilities, or at least in, in I think, most people's minds, it becomes more difficult the older you get. Uh, somebody like Dave Lewis, our producer, has decided later in his career to become Entrepreneurial. Now you've been entrepreneurial for a long time, but but you also maintained your day job, um, and you've come out and and tried to do it on your own. And it's never too late. That's right. I'm the oldest person in the building. No, you're not. Okay, in this room. Okay, in this room, maybe, <laughs> maybe. 
So, but it is more, it is a lot more difficult the older you get. I mean, we're, we give you, we give you a lot of credit for being able to do that. You know, I was just uh, listening to some uh, reel on Facebook and, you know, and, and, and it was, oh gosh, a guy who's had just tremendous amount of success and you don't get that unless you've had some failures. And there are so many lessons to learn along the way. And I've had more than my fair share of failures. You know, I think it's just, uh, you know, when you get to the point where you feel like, okay, here is now my opportunity. And that's where I was. And congratulations for that. I have had before another community I lived in, and we had one of the more successful entrepreneurs who said, and we asked why the community, that particular community was, was such a great place for entrepreneurs. And his comment was, it's easy to fail here. And, and everybody kind of chuckled about it, but his point was, no one looks down their nose at you if you've done something and it didn't work. You're not gonna, you're not gonna throw your life away, or it's not, it's not. You're not gonna dig a hole that you can't dig out of. Uh, you're gonna be able to bounce back quickly. And he, I think about his second or third venture, he became incredibly, incredibly successful. So that's how that works. Okay, so that's the uh, first part of the questions. That's the bigger part. You are officially the first person who will have had a second round of rapid fire. So are you ready? All right. What movie have you seen the most times? Well, like I mentioned, I have a four-year-old, and that means that Zootopia is currently the movie that I've seen the most times. We watch it quite frequently. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with Zootopia. What's the fox's name? Nick? Nick, Nick Fox? Uh-huh. Yeah. If you could, okay, so similar to that, if you could only watch one movie or television show for the rest of your life, what would it be? Not Zootopia, yeah, I would assume. We'll go with an adult show this time, um, and, and I'll go with the TV show, uh, The Office. What do you want people to remember about you? Um, I hope that when I walk away from having a conversation with somebody that they remember that I was genuine, that I think everything that I do or say, it, it comes from the heart. It's genuine. If someone paid you to write a blog or book about anything, what would it be about? How to be a mom when you got a busy career. And I'm, you'd probably get a lot of people that would read that. Uh, what was your first job? Uh, so my dad owned an accounting firm in Larned, and I would go clean his office. And then I turned more into copying things for them and then secretarial type roles. And they just kept me on as long as they could. What skill would you most like to learn? Something to do with memory. I think it, my memory just starting to get too full. I got to figure out a better way to... Stephanie, it only gets worse. I'm just going to tell you right now. Man. If your pet could talk, what do you think they might say about you? What kind of pet do you have first? Uh, We have two dogs. One's a golden retriever and one's a little mutt that's about 15 pounds. So what what would your pet say if if they could talk about you? Uh, I would think they would say that I'm a really good pillow because they're usually somewhere laying on top of me. What is the most ridiculous thing you believed as a child? So I had a completely irrational fear that something was hiding in the shower. So every time I went into the bathroom, I would have to open the shower curtain just to check and make sure. Do you prefer working remotely or in the office? When I need to get a lot of tasks done, I prefer to be remote. I can sit there and really focus and concentrate, um, but I really enjoy also having those in-person meetings to be able to have those conversations. So work from home, meet in person. How do you deal with work stress? Organization. Anytime I get stressed out, I just stop what I'm doing, get my email, my desk, whatever I have organized, and that that helps me feel more control of things. I've heard a lot of people who do that. Stephanie, again, congratulations on being our 2023 Young Professional of the Year. Uh, It was certainly an award 
that was well-deserved. And thank you for making your second appearance on the Think MHK podcast. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.